you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy Radio. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. We're coming to you live from the Innovations and Recovery Conference down in San Diego, California at Hotel Del Coronado. Uh, be sure to check us out uh, at uh, www.soberguy.com for past episodes, resources. Uh, you can contact us and you can help support the show by donating and leaving us a review on iTunes. Always a big, big way to help us out there. Um, Real quick, if you have questions about whether you or a loved one may need help, you can contact Foundations Recovery Network at 877-714-1318. They have nationwide residential and outpatient facilities, and they can provide a confidential assessment and also review the best treatment options for you or your situation. So once again, that's 877-714-1318. We're kicking it off here at the conference today. Um, and uh, man, it's 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 a great experience because I get to kick back here in the booth and uh, meet a lot of good people and we get people stopping by the booth. And uh, today, our first guest happened to stop by and we started chatting. And uh, his name is Mick Maher. And uh, he, uh, for, 45 years sober, first of all, Mick. And uh, that's, uh, that's enough in itself. Just, I want to say congratulations to that. And then thanks for stopping by, man. How are you? Oh, thank you. You know, I'm doing well, and I appreciate the kind thoughts. I would love to take credit, but it was, you know, God takes care of fools and drunks, so I was pretty well qualified. <laughs> he absolutely does, and uh, I'm uh, definitely in that same boat, about 40 years shy of, uh, of, of you, but still, man, each uh, each day is a good one. So uh, we got to chatting a little bit, man, and um, I want to... Uh, you mentioned body broker a couple of times, man, and that's it's such it's almost like uh, punches you in the gut kind of when you hear that term. You go, oh man, what what the hell is that? So I kind of want to start there. Um, and actually, let me back up before we start with that. Tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit. Who you are, where you're from, what you do. Okay, excellent. I started working in the field of addiction treatment back in 1974, part time uh, as a volunteer. By 1975, I was in the Marine Corps, and at the end of the evacuation of Vietnam, which I was a part of, I was uh, selected to go to the Navy's Alcoholism Treatment Specialist course and became a counselor, ran a treatment center for the the Marine Corps for a couple of years. Uh, Because I was so young at the time, uh, quite a bit older now, but (laughs) back then I was young, and so I got to go to these great schools. I met Vern Johnson. I actually trained with Vern Johnson in intervention back the, in the wow. 70s with Johnson Institute. Nice. Vern and I ended up teaching together for 20 years. Uh, about 25, 26 years ago, after restructuring a number of treatment centers, I, my undergraduate degree is business, um, and I restructured a number of treatment centers, I decided to go to law school. Huh. And uh, law school fulfilled a dream for me, but I still work very closely with treatment centers and providers, yeah. um, most of whom don't even understand that they're breaking laws and not intentionally, but it doesn't really matter. It yeah. can still have pretty negative consequences for them. And I still restructure treatment centers, but mostly now I just consult with uh, organizations trying to get them to understand where the boundaries are. Yeah. I want to I want to get into the law and uh, into a little bit of this body brokering that you were talking about. Um, 
before we do that, one more question for you. What what kind of helped keep you sober, man, in the beginning? Like if we're going to go back to the early days, that foundation, um, what what has been crucial for you in carrying and being able to carry out 45 years, man? Well, yeah, thank you. I, the uh, My first sponsor, I've had three sponsors. I'm a big believer in continuity. You sure. know, my home group was, set, my first home group was seven years. My second home group has been since then. Yeah. So, wow. you know. Always down in San Diego? Always in San Diego, 38 years. So my initial effort was in a first step, you know? And my first sponsor had me write it out in really graphic detail. And it took me a long time because I was a blackout drinker. And I discovered that I had to do things like read police reports, which were never flattering. (laughs) Uh, I had to ask family members. But by writing out and keeping that in a written notebook, that I kept with me, it was impossible for me to deny that I was, you know, a real alcoholic. Yeah. Even though yeah. I was only 20 when I got sober. Wow. And so the, the reality for me then was that the, uh, you know, returning to drinking and testing it wasn't ever going to be an option. Yeah. Uh, it was a little more difficult because I was in the Marine Corps. It was during the middle of the Vietnam War. Uh, so there were certain difficulties. Um, the young people's meeting, uh, which was my home group, they're all like 10, 15 years older than me. So. Really? <laughs> so I got a lot of grief about how young I was. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, the reality is it's, I didn't want to go back to what that first step showed that I'd become. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, um, we're, you're, you're really saying sponsorship, a program, um, some sort of community and being around people that, um, that, that can help uplift you instead of bring you down. I know, you know, you get in those environments, situations, um, I can have the best intentions going into a situation, um, you know, that's not very healthy. And then I'm probably going to self-destruct if I go there. Well, yeah, no, that's well said. I mean, one of my pet peeves is for years, I've, I keep hear, hearing people say, what you think of me isn't any of my business. Yeah. And I've always thought, well, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've heard in a long time. I agree. Yeah. Because if I'm deluding myself, if I'm kidding myself about some aspect of my personal recovery, yeah. if you're not a friend enough to tell me the truth, tell me what your opinion is, yeah. how the heck am I going to change? I yeah, won't see sure. it on my own. So yeah. I do need to know what you think. Yeah. yeah. I may not agree. I may think you're wrong, but at least I'll listen. So, yeah. No, yeah. definitely. Definitely, man. And I think even on, on, a friend, on that friendship perspective, too. Um, it's hard sometimes with, uh, especially with old friends, because we all party together, you know? So your, your buddies, they don't want to see you get sober sometimes, even though they, they might have a lot of love for you. They don't want, they're going to lose one of their buddies to, you know, the, the sober lifestyle or whatever. So that was always tough too. Well, actually that was one of the advantages of the Marine Corps. They sure as heck didn't want me in the command that I had been in when I was drinking. So yeah, they, yeah. they sent me to someplace else. It was a whole new crowd of people. Now, yeah. Drinking was the norm, and they just say control it. Well, you know, if I could have, I would have, but <laughs> yeah. I, there's no evidence that I could control it. So. I'm a uh, uh, heavy supporter of the Second Amendment, but not with booze, man. Can't be, <laughs> can't be drinking and shooting guns. That's not a good thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that deal. So let's uh, so let let's jump into a little bit about what you do for a living. You've done it for a long time, um, and um, you, you've talked about the laws in 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 miscuing. Um, well, the body broker thing. Let me kind of hand it off to you and just and, and tell us a little bit about what that is and how it's coming into play today in the treatment industry and uh, with everything going on in the sober community. Okay. Well, first, uh, body brokering is essentially when somebody profits off of a referral. It could be for a patient to a treatment center. Now, the big thing now, everybody likes to call them leads, but they're actually patients suffering huh. from a major illness. So, uh, so a lead would be, say, 
say somebody has a guy that he ran into that's on the street or something and he can take that lead I'm putting that in quotes yeah. I know y'all can't see it because you're listening but <laughs> air quotes he takes that lead and then he hands it off to somebody and says here you go you can get this guy in your treatment facility is that right. an accurate and then they get paid for the referral yeah. wow and in some instances the more extreme interest in uh, instances they'll buy insurance for them uh, and they'll buy airplane tickets for them but it's not just getting them into treatment uh, there's a, a form of body brokering in terms of profiting uh, through drug testing. You know, we, really? used, we used to call that Operation Golden Flow. <laughs> and the way it worked was, you, wow. I'll put you into a sober living. They'll pay me X number of dollars. The outpatient program pays me X number of dollars. They test the person four to eight times a week. And then they charge obscene amounts of money to... Good Lord. And, and they're being paid for that referral. Yeah. Now, all of that's illegal in California, which is where I practice law. Yeah. Um, what most people don't really understand is that it's not just in California. There's federal laws against this stuff, and it's not just the Stark Law. Uh, Stark what's, Law what's, says... Yeah, what's the Stark Law? Stark Law says you can't um, pay for a referral if it's a um, uh, Medicare, Medicaid type claim. Okay. But there's a law, it's called 18 U.S.C. 1347 now. 18 U.S.C. 1347 is a federal law that says whether it's a private policy or a publicly funded policy, you cannot pay for a referral. You can't participate in any kind of a scheme or illegal action. Got, just plain and simple. That's just, it. yeah. Can't do and it. the consequences are 10 years in prison and a fine. Then there's an enhancement if somebody is injured. So somebody goes into a sober living that's there because of this body brokering scheme and they become very ill they relapse maybe overdose end up in the hospital <clears throat> excuse me that can add another 10 years to the sentence up to 20 years wow. and if they die it can go as extreme as life in prison for the body broker and for the treatment center operator or the sober living operator wow well, and, and, and we've heard a lot about this in the news, right? I right. mean, this has been going, how long has this been going on for? Well, it started initially, we saw it back in the early 80s. Okay. There used to be a, just a, a, an alphabet soup of treatment companies, huh. PIA, NME, RCA, AMI. I mean, there was just a huge number of these companies. Yeah. And they were hospital-based, and they were paying doctors for the referrals and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Which is basically when HMOs came into existence. And we saw at that time, in the mid-80s, a lot of executives going to jail, a lot of companies shutting down. And what happened then was, with the HMOs, they refused to pay for treatment. Wow. And so that's when we see a lot of these little six-bed houses open up. They were cash pay for the most part. Yeah. And then, of course, as they got more and more ability to, to get people to pay cash or get insurance, these places started to just, you know, grow like weeds. Yeah. So now, I mean, you can't swing a cat without hitting yeah. somebody running a treatment center. <laughs> well, what, and, and so what happens to a lot of these uh, these patients, these people that are suffering, they, they think that they, they're going into a, um, an environment where they're going to get some, some help. And aren't a lot of them, from what I've heard, uh, they're not getting that help. And a lot of them are getting used, and then they're getting tossed back out on the street. Sadly, one of the problems is that most... Many, I shouldn't say most, but many of the people that get into the field of addiction today are not qualified. They don't have training in addiction treatment. They don't yeah. have any kind of a degree in that area. They don't have any degrees in management of health care concerns. Got it. So they may have a good heart. I don't question whether they have a good heart or not. Sure. But they get in and they want to help people. And so those people, because they don't know what they're doing effectively, are going to make uh, certain accommodations called enabling to keep somebody from walking out of treatment. The really bad operators, and there's a lot of them, yeah. those bad operators, what they do 
is they find themselves somebody and is, they'll fly them in from out of state, they'll buy them insurance, and as soon as the insurance no longer covers treatment, they'll boot them to the street, and the really sleazy, and there's a couple of them out there, the really sleazy will go ahead and sell them to a body broker who will take them to a motel, get them loaded, which means that they'll test positive again on a drug test, and then be able to go back into another treatment center. Man, so and it's just like a cycle. Yeah, they'll oh, keep yeah. they'll keep going. Yeah, and Damn. we're starting to see some you know prosecutions of that. We're starting to see yeah. some of the other things. You know, obviously Chris Batham out of L.A. was doing that yeah, kind of stuff. He just that. got hammered, and yeah. his associate got hammered, and rightfully so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> better late than never. Let yeah, me put it that for way. sure. Yeah. Uh, so w- w- one of the other things we were talking about before we started recording here, and I hope I'm being okay. Are you okay on time? Yeah. I'm fine. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, you were, you were kind of talking about how you take the body broken and there's actually people who still are thinking that this is legal and that it's, that it's not just, um, not just from a moral perspective. They don't, they tend to look the other way. They're doing business, whatever you call it, but they don't see a problem with it. What's that looking like? What's your take on that? Well, uh, there's several components to that. And I don't know if you have enough time. for Yeah. yeah, I got, I'm I'm here all day. (laughs) You're all here all day. (laughs) Don't forget to tip your waiter. That's right. That's right. Um, there's a couple of factors in that. First and foremost, there's no legal way to body broker in the state of California. Yeah. It just can't be done. So anybody that is... And that goes back to the Stark Law, right? Well, not even... Or, it goes well beyond the Stark Law. There's, oh. a, there's a number of California laws. The Stark is federal, but oh, there's a number of... Okay, gotcha. okay, So Health and Safety Code 445 here in California says you can't profit from a referral. And the presumption is if you're getting paid, it's profiting. Got it. So that's Health and Safety Code 445. The insurance code in California, 750, says, you know, if you're involved in one of these schemes, it's a crime. I mean, and it uses the word, it's a crime. So there's no real question here. From a clinical perspective, and remember, I started off way back when as a counselor, you're really talking about treatment centers that get into enabling. If I have a client that's in my treatment center and or my sober living and outpatient program, I don't want them to leave, you know, before I'm through treating them, yeah, billing yeah. and billing the hell out of their insurance, yeah. basically. <laughs> I don't want them to leave. So they come to me and say, well, you know, Billy Bob just said he'll pay me $500 to go across the street and live in somebody else's sober living, and I get to keep my telephone. What's, what's oh, the owner going to do? The yeah. owner is going to accommodate that. Yeah, sure. And they'll make a special allowance. Well, I don't want to go to group at 8.30 in the morning. Okay, you don't have to. You can go at 1030. So there's no, yeah, it's no structure. There's no structure. Completely diluting it. And basically, it's called enabling. And enabling is, in this instance, is when the client or the patient is directing their own treatment program. And from a practical standpoint, you have to look at that and say, if they were qualified to run their own treatment program, they wouldn't need to be in a treatment program. (laughs) It's common sense. You know, it's not rocket science, not rocket science. But there's more to it than that. You know, when you you start looking at these referral companies that you see advertised on TV all the time and all this nonsense, you know, these are salespeople. They're not clinicians. And and I was doing a talk um, last year up in L.A. at one of the big conferences. And, you know, the question comes up, how could it be wrong? And so the example I like to use, there's a couple of examples I like to use, but my favorite one was what I call the EMTist. You know, everybody and their brother and sister seem to claim that they're interventionist. Yeah. I, that's a term that drives me crazy. Yeah. But um, So they claim to be an interventionist. Well, imagine if it's an EMTist. Your loved one has a heart attack. Well, that's kind of scary. And you call for an EMT to show up. And an ambulance rushes up. And you have an EMTist who had two days of training at a uh-huh. conference. 
and they walk in with their friend and they look over and they say, look, we should take this person to ABC Cardiac Care because they'll pay us $10,000 for the referral. Oh, I see. Now, there's no clinical assessment. Is ABC the best? Yeah. But there's a certain amount of money involved, so yeah, it's good. They have a business relationship right. already there. And then, uh, you know, the EMTS number two looks at that person who also has two days of training at yeah. a conference someplace yeah. and says, well, wait a minute. You know, this person, they, they don't have a lot of money. Let's take them to XYZ Treatment Center, you know, cardiac rehab, where they will waive the co-payment, they'll waive the deductible, make it easier for the person to get into treatment. Yeah. And they'll still pay us five grand. Wow. You know, would anybody trust their loved one to people like that? I wouldn't. Of course not. I sure as heck wouldn't. No. But when we talk about addiction, we're talking about some of these people that have little to no professional training who are being paid by the referral. So they're not, they can't possibly do a quality clinical assessment. You know, and I, yeah. and I see this on TV all the time. Somebody will call up and they'll, you know, I'll, I'll see a TV ad, some kid will come out wearing scrubs, you know, and. Huh. Have a stethoscope around his yeah. neck, you know. It's like really. The, I always try to read yeah. the fine print, but yeah. you can't read it because nah, it's not. you only got about three seconds three to read seconds. it, and it's about this big. And basically, yeah. yeah, they say this is a you know non-physician spokesperson or something. Yeah. But but so you call that eight hundred number, and they, they're they're going to give you a free assessment and a free referral. Got it. Well, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. But what you know, I learned when I was in my MBA program before I became a lawyer. I was studying to get a master's in business. The thing that they used to say is if, if it's free, you're the product. Ah, so they're I selling you. Yeah, yeah, because nobody is going to spend hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars annually on TV ads yeah. and not get paid. Somebody yeah. is paying them. And if I can call in and get a free referral, I'm the product that they're selling. And they're selling <laughs> me to some you know, yeah. treatment center. And if a treatment center is willing to pay for a referral... It's because they're already involved in enabling. Yeah. And if it's enabling, it's not a good treatment center. I mean, there's a whole, it's a whole cycle. It's a whole system. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it sounds like it's very well thought out and designed too. So here's my question for you, Mick. What the hell do we do about it? What are some of the solutions that you're looking at? And what are some of the conversations you have to help curb some of this, this what, stuff? Oops. That's right. Yeah, it's getting it's it's uh, it's heated up in here a little bit too. I think it's a break in between uh, one of the Sessions, speakers. Yeah. yeah, the a session break. So yeah. you, you folks can probably hear a lot of the background noise. We got all kinds of cool people in here, man. And once it's again, a, it's a great conference. Foundations always does a wonderful yeah. job with their innovations program. I've always been impressed. How many have you been to? Is this, this is, I think, my fifth or sixth. Oh, nice. You've yeah, been to a few. Yeah, quite a few here in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, I love it here. So yeah, Hotel Del Coronado is. You can't know. beat it. I didn't know it was 130 years old, too. Yeah, yeah. It's a great old hotel, yeah. you know, and great history with uh, movies like uh, Some Like It Hot being filmed. Here. Yeah. So, But going back to your question, what do we do about this? Yeah, what do we do? Well, in the state of California, there's already laws. More and more. I met with a number of prosecutors now, district's attorney, and we're talking about ways to shut some of these characters down. To give you an example of how blatant some of these people have been, up in Riverside County, which is maybe 100 miles northeast of where we're at yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, Okay. There was a woman that set up a sober living house and an outpatient addiction treatment center. And she went ahead and hired a body broker to fill up her sober living house. Paid $2,000 a person. Wow. 
Then she put every one of these people who was in her sober living. She didn't charge them to be there, by the way. She just, they were going to live there for free and go to her outpatient. She hired them all as resident assistants, RAs. These are just people. They were just people. could be her her cousin, her brother, whoever. These were all people that were in trouble with alcohol or drugs. Okay. At some level, you know, they were in trouble. And so she made them all employees of her sober living, gave them all really good insurance, put them in her outpatient program, and began to build the insurance company. Well, I mean, there's so many things wrong with that. It's mind-boggling that anybody could be that foolish. What a bit of a conflict of interest. There. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she ended up getting six months in jail and a two, $233,000 fine. She had just started. Oh, I see. Batham, of course, up in L.A., just got a bunch of years in prison, a yeah. huge fine, and he still faces additional charges. So... You know, that kind of stuff is ongoing. So more and more, we're starting to see uh, Orange County uh, District Attorney uh, Ruckelhaus, Tony Ruckelhaus, has implemented a new task force within the DA's office to look at these sober living scams that are going on up there. And I wish uh, the DA in in Orange County all of the best with that, any help I can give them. Uh, I was able to successfully get a con man shut down up in Orange County there was a he, he, um, interesting guy. His name was Daniel Case. Case was a convicted felon. He'd been convicted in Arizona of uh, forging prescriptions and then selling the drugs because, you know, those doctors can be very expensive. They ask, yeah. you know, questions. You don't want that. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> he went to prison for, for identity theft, drug sales, and forging prescriptions. While in prison, he took a class on how to become a counselor. Huh came to Dana Point up in Orange County, Southern Orange County, set up five separate uh, limited liability companies trying to hide himself from it. He then got an, um, a guy that owns a drug lab to loan him $100,000 to open up his operations and started providing treatment. So I had, I had a woman call me up. She, uh, she had been in treatment. She, what happened is she was in bad trouble with drugs and booze, and she called a guy that she knew out of uh, Riverside County, okay, who charged her twenty thousand dollars for what he called an intervention. Now it's not an intervention. The yeah. woman was asking for help. At most, it's a twelve-step call. Yeah, you know, the guy's not licensed. He's not a professional. He doesn't work for anybody. He works for himself. And what he did is he charged her twenty thousand dollars to drive her from Riverside County okay. to Macula area, all the way over to Dana Point. Now, that may be the most expensive Uber ride in the history of the world. <laughs> That's a little you steep know, right it's there. A, it's like a 30-minute drive, you know. So, and then on top of that, the treatment center, this Daniel Case character, paid him a total of 10000 for the referral. So that's illegal, too. Man, it's a killing. Oh, yeah, the guy's, the guy's $30,000 for a 30-minute drive, yeah. basically. It was a real con man. So then at the end of all of this, Daniel Case is running all of these treatment centers, supposed treatment centers, but he doesn't have any professional licensed staff. Yeah. He's handing out drugs. We get him on a video. My client videotapes, and she gave him a check for a huge amount of money uh-huh. because it was a cash pay deal. She gives him a check for this huge amount of money. He starts handing her drugs and identifying them. You know, here's some Valium, here's some Xanax, whatever. And she said, well, well, don't I see the doctor first? And he said, ah, don't worry about it. Whatever, you know, the doctor will do whatever I say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's illegal in the state of California. You can't hand out drugs. Now, one yeah. of the problems most of these treatment centers don't seem to understand is that when somebody leaves treatment, you're required to give them back any unused medications. Oh, really? I and if that. you don't give them any unused medications... 
what happens is you're supposed to destroy them. And so, I'm sorry about my phone. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's okay. Um, So, you're supposed to destroy them. A lot of these places keep them in what they call their house account. Okay. So, when a client comes in or a patient comes into their program, they can start medicating them before they're seen by a doctor. Well, that's illegal in the state of California. Yeah. And if somebody comes in and they're in that bad of shape, you should be taking them to an emergency room anyway. Wasn't well, I say? I mean, that's that's no different than than just a street drug dealer, really, who's coming in and has how, wherever they got those pills or whatever um, medicine right. or whatever it is, yeah, whatever right? drug it is, whatever yeah. drug it is, yeah. Yeah. whether it's a prescription drug or an illegal yeah. drug, yeah. And and that's part of the problem. We have so many people that, like like I said, they want to do well, yeah, but they come in and they start doing things like this, thinking yeah. that, pardon me, thinking that this is helpful, yeah. It's part of the process of enabling. Yeah. It just makes it a lot worse for the client. So I'll, I'm going to, um, I got one more question for you and then we'll wrap this thing up. Okay. Excellent. So, you know, our, our audience is a lot of people out that are actually in recovery um, or, or looking to get into recovery. So, um, you know, after this conversation, which I think is a great conversation too. So thank you for stopping by today and sitting down with us. Um, and, uh, you know, for the person out there or the family member who's looking, hey, my son's my son needs help, or my daughter needs help, or my husband, or me. You know, right. how do they avoid this? How do you how how do you kind of navigate around and make sure that you have um, a, a a place that is um, that is safe? I guess. You know, that's it's getting harder and harder. So there's a couple of things that I look at for that. Uh, one, if you're dialing an 800 number because they tell you that they're going to give you free help, run like heck. Because that's clearly a scam. Yeah. There's just no way around it in my mind. And, w- and when you say free help, because obviously I gave a 1-800 number to right. foundations when we first started this show. But when you say clear help, you're talking about um, actually taking somebody in, right? And I'm, intake. And here, here's, free, here's free care for you, basically. If you're calling an actual treatment center, that's fine. Okay. Foundations has actual treatment centers. Yeah. They're not body brokering. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, but when you're calling 1-800-GET-HELP-NOW or whatever the heck those yeah, numbers yeah. are. You with know? the fine print. Yeah, with the fine print. And, the young guy and, it's, the and it's a call center. Um, yeah. the, the biggest problem, you know, I said not the biggest, but one of the big problems that is going on right now is what's called black hat SEO. You know, so you type in, I want to go to addiction treatment on the central coast of California. Well, there's a handful of treatment centers up there. Yeah. They appear on, you know, they pop up on the... Google search, you click on it, and it turns out it's a call center located in, you know, Indiana or someplace, and they're trying to refer, oh, that treatment center, it's one of ours, but they're busy, because they put up the, you know, the name, but they don't put up their number. They have an 800 number to the call center. So what I tell families is, you know, you should talk to a physician, or if you're religious, you should talk to your clergy member. Got it. Ask them to give guidance on where can you get quality treatment. There's a number of excellent uh, facilities, but if it's a call center. It's a big it, red flag. It's a big red flag. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, you go online, make sure when you look at it, because, you know, families are desperate. They're worried. They've got a lot of money already yeah. on the table. Yeah. So they want to protect themselves. Sure. You know, make sure you're actually calling the treatment center. And the way to tell that is if you call in a number and they don't answer it with the treatment center's name, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Hey, Mick, man, it's been great talking with you. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Um, if anyone wants to find more information about, about you or your practice or uh, reach out to you, is there any way they can do that? They can. Uh, my phone number is uh, 760 area code, uh, 743-2200. And I can be reached at Mick, M-I-C-K, at my initials, MD, which some will tell you is mentally deficient. <laughs> Uh, but it's uh, but it's M D M E A 
G-H-E-R.com. So Mick awesome. at MDMaher.com. And thank you very much for inviting me to have a seat and talk. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll put uh, I'll put all the contact info um, in uh, the show notes for those of you out there listening. You can simply go there and uh, check it out. Be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com for past episodes, resources. You can contact us there and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Also, stay tuned for more episodes to follow. Peace, love, respect. Keep the blood clean.